Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. Now, you may be wondering, Pentecost. Now, Pentecost, it's not Pentecost today. Pentecost was actually two weeks ago, uh, and we kind of celebrated that at the, it's in the life of the church, and the name for Pentecost actually means 50. So it's actually 50 days after the resurrection, and that's when we celebrate that. So we celebrated that back in May, but in doing so, we were part, uh, we're looking in our sermon series of these common Christian cliches, and so we didn't focus a lot of time on that. So we're actually going to do a little bit of a retro uh, sermon looking back on Pentecost. And this talk show actually works out well because Chris led a study on Pentecost on Monday, um, and it was really great because I got to go and take a bunch of notes and steal a bunch of information um, that I'm going to use today. So it's really good. So Chris, I appreciate helping me pull this together. No, but yeah, we're going to talk about Pentecost. Pentecost is usually what we celebrate, again, when the Holy Spirit is manifest upon the church. We do this by wearing red, and oftentimes we have this logo of the flame, which you see up here, and we're going to talk about that here shortly. But first, let's pray. God, we give you thanks for today, for this time together, for the wonderful music we heard, for the prayers just for this congregation, this church, that your spirit is tangible in, God. We give you thanks. And God, I would pray this morning as I deliver these words that they would be pleasing to you, that the cross in you would be glorified above all else. And if necessary, move me aside again so that all focus and all glory is yours. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, some of you may know this, uh, others may not, but I grew up thinking I was just going to go into business. This is just what my family was a part of. They were more specific to the housing business and real estate. So that's what I thought I was going to do. So I took business classes. I took small business entrepreneurship. That was my degree down at Palm Beach Atlantic University in West Palm Beach. And down there, you take these business classes. Marketing is always some of the classes that obviously have to do with business. And marketing is the way you sell yourself, whether it's the product you're selling, whether it's you yourself you're selling for maybe a specific skill uh, that you may possess. But whatever that is, logos are always a big topic of conversation in marketing. And we are bombarded by logos every day, right? They're on billboards, they're on our cars, they're on the websites that we attend, they're on our phones, whatever it is. Logos are all around us. So we're going to actually look at a couple logos you might be familiar with um, that's going to help our conversation. So here's the first logo up on the screen. This is the Audi logo for the car company, right? It's four circles. Kind of looks like the Olympics logo, but it's not. Uh, we just got the four circles here. And this actually represents the four companies that came together when uh, the company was officially founded in 1932. So it's got some meaning behind it. This next logo, Mercedes-Benz, we have the circle, and it's kind of got this triangle in the middle with the three different points. Do you all know what this logo represents? 
So it's the three points of excellence when the company was started that they wanted to achieve excellence in land, excellence in the air, and excellence at sea. So this logo remains the same, although their focus is mainly on cars, but that's what started this company out. Here's another company you may never heard of, it's called Amazon. Um, little company, uh, Jeff Bezos, the owner, pretty humble guy. Um, but the logo here, so we've just got the name, but then underneath we have this smile-looking thing. And this is to represent the customer satisfaction that comes from shopping at Amazon. And then the other part about, which you may not notice, it's also an arrow from the A to the Z, representing all the things you can buy at Amazon. It's pretty clever, right? Yeah, because you can buy just about everything um, on Amazon. And so I know I often buy just about everything on Amazon. And then lastly, we have this logo, which represents us as the United Methodist Church. We have the cross, that represents the cross of Jesus Christ. But then we have the flame, which is the representation of the Holy Spirit. And we see the Holy Spirit manifest upon the disciples in Acts 2, which we're going to look, about, or look at shortly here. But you think about it, why, why a flame? You know, it could have been like maybe a mist, could have been a good logo. Um, it could have been maybe some smoke or maybe like wind, like we've got that wind emoji, so it could have been the wind. I mean, these are all very, very good options, I think, because spirit or pneuma, meaning breath and spirit, it could have been that. But I think the flame is the best representation, and we're going to talk about that. First things first is a flame. What are the purposes of a flame? We've got four here we're just going to cover quickly. First thing is that a flame can strengthen, right? Maybe when you're making pottery, anybody here make pottery? And you've got to fire it. You put it into the kiln, it heats up, and then it becomes strong so that it can hold or it can just basically keep up whatever it is that it's used for. Next thing is that it can heat. It can heat coffee, amen? Um, can heat donuts, Amen. Yeah. Can you eat pizza? Amen. I'm hungry, obviously. Amen. Um, yeah. Heat. Flames are used for so many things, not just food, but for other things as well. It heats them up. We also have purifying. It can purify, right? I used to climb trees like crazy when I was a kid, and I would get splinters all the time. And so, like the surgeon that I was, I would get the needle, and I would like, you know, light it up and get it like red hot, so it would like purify and kill the germs which I'm sure was not healthy, but I did it. Uh, you know, you dig it out. But that was the process. Is it would get so hot that it would purify. And it's not only used for purification in that sense, but for many senses. We even think of the purification that the Holy Spirit offers us in sanctification. You know, we talk about that as sanctifying grace. But last, and our main focus for today, is that flames illuminate. They brighten I think not only literally, but also figuratively. That's what the Holy Spirit does. We even looked at the parable of the lamp. You light the lamp and you place it on the table so that it can light up the room. A city on the hill, it lights up everything around it. You don't put it under a bushel or a basket or a bowl, but you want it to illuminate. And that's going to be our focus today as we talk about the Spirit, as we look at the receiving of the spirit of illumination. So we're going to dive right in. We're looking at Acts 2. Jesus has just ascended, and the disciples are gathered together. And we're going to pick up here with the first verse going through the four. It says this, 
On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, to which we say, thanks be to God. So the first way that the Holy Spirit illuminates is our ability to communicate the gospel. The Holy Spirit illuminates the ability to communicate the gospel. We see here right off the bat that this miracle is made manifest in the disciples by them being able to speak other languages. It wasn't the hearers, although I think the Holy Spirit works in those who hear the gospel, but it's the ones that were speaking the gospel. John Wesley makes this note in his explanatory notes on the New Testament. He says, The miracle was not in the ears of the hearers, as some have unaccountably supposed, but in the mouths of the speakers. It was what was being communicated that was different. It's not that the gospel was changed. It wasn't watered down. It wasn't altered or anything else like that. But how they spoke it in their evangelism and in their spreading of the word, it was different. And I think that's what made the Apostle Paul so successful because he could not only speak that Hebrew, but he could also speak the Greek as well. So he could talk with the Jewish people, but he could also talk to the Gentiles as well. When Alicia and I got married, she was in charge of the wedding and I was in charge of the honeymoon. Um, and she reminded me of this between the services. Um, I'll get there. Yeah, I know you're laughing. Okay. Um, the, the, the wedding went great, but then when we got to the honeymoon, I thought, hey, let's have some fun. Let's be adventurous. Let's just buy plane tickets to Italy, and we'll figure it out when we get there. Um, it's not that bad. Come on. I'm not that horrible. Um, so we buy plane tickets, and we flew straight into Milan, and we kind of just said, where do we want to go? And so we said, well, let's hit the big cities. Why don't we? Um, and so we hit the big cities. First, I think we went to Rome. That was the first spot. And then we went to Amalfi, so the Amalfi Coast, which is on you know, the west coast of Italy, um, kind of looks over the Mediterranean. It's beautiful. I'll get back to Amalfi. Then we went to Florence, which was my favorite, but then we also went to Venice. Well, in doing that, we went and we got Airbnbs at each of the places. And this is basically where people kind of rent out their studio apartments or their houses or whatever it is. So most of them had kitchenettes or kitchens and you, know, you could do your laundry and everything else like that. So we wanted to really kind of get into this Italian culture. And when we were in Amalfi, we found it a little bit more difficult to get into said culture. Because in the other places, most people spoke English. You could get away with trying to, you know, butcher your words and, you know, sometimes you try to say these things in English and then you end up just kind of repeating them louder and louder in hopes that they know what you're talking about. Yeah, anybody done that? Um, I could get away with that in those other cities, but Amalfi, you couldn't do that because it wasn't so common for people to speak English. And I remember one night we wanted to make spaghetti and we found ourselves in a butcher shop and we needed to get ground beef. And so I'm trying to say two kilos of ground beef. It wasn't working. So thanks to the advancement of technology, we had our phones and we had the Google Translate app. And I was able to write two kilos ground beef and then it spoke it for me. 
I didn't have to try to butcher the Italian words, but it literally read out what it is that I wanted. And she knew exactly what I wanted at that moment. She got us the two pounds of ground beef. We checked out. We had wonderful spaghetti. It was, it was wonderful. It was perfect. But that's what happened with the Holy Spirit coming upon the disciples. They were able to communicate to these languages that these other people spoke. It was a miracle of tongues that was given to each of them. And it's still done to us today. Sometimes we have to say it a little bit differently. Again, not watered down, but we have to be able to speak it so that others can understand it. We have to know our context. But in order to know how we speak, we got to know what we speak about, right? And the, the Holy Spirit does that by illuminating the gospel for us. It brings it to life. Some churches do, um, they do prayers of illumination right before you read the text. And it really helps just to bring that text to life so that you can fully know what it is that you're talking about. Because there's nothing worse than trying to talk about something that you're not totally familiar with, right? Hope you don't have that feeling right now about me. Um, but I know, for example, and I'm going to throw Chris under the bus here, um, but whenever I talk to Chris, it's not throwing under the bus, but whenever I talk to Chris about the Gospels, he lights up. You can tell that not only does he know them inside and out, but he's passionate about them. You know, you've talked to him about it, and, and he just knows. You know, I think about some of our other staff members, like, for example, um, we have our musical staff members, and you talk to them about music, they know it inside and out. You want to talk to me about something? Talk to me about soccer. I can talk to you about soccer <laughs> over and over. But, you know, the gospel comes to life because the Spirit enables us to really see what it is that is being communicated to us. The Apostle Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians. He says this. He says, But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit, for His Spirit, his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And now we have received God's spirits, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. We have received these things so that God, we can know these things that God has freely given us. And we have this verse 13 as well. And when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. So these things that we communicate, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is illuminated by the Spirit. But as the Spirit teaches us how to speak and on what to speak, it also guides us, which is the next part, that the Holy Spirit illuminates the way forward. Not just for the church 2,000 years ago, but for the church today. Not for believers 2,000 years ago only, but for believers today as well. Illuminating those conversations, maybe that person that you think, I should talk to this person. Maybe they seem down on their luck. Maybe it seems like they're having a tough time. That little nudging on your heart is the Holy Spirit that is illuminating that for you. In John 6, 16, 13, Jesus speaks to this and he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. It's the spirit that guides us and illuminates the way forward.
Back in Genesis 11, going back into the Old Testament of the Bible, we have the story of the Tower of Babel. We have a group of people who got together, and basically what they've tried to do is they've tried to get to heaven without God. They've done everything in their power trying to build this tower to get into heaven, but they're missing the one necessary key ingredient, and that's God. But at Pentecost, we see that God comes back into the picture. Back in Babel, they're scattered, they're confused. They speak different languages, but all that does is confuse them. But we see these different languages unifying everybody in Pentecost. Irenaeus, he was an early church theologian in the second century. He says this about Pentecost. He says, The confusion of tongues at the building of Tower of Babel was a punishment for the arrogance of men who wished to scale heaven by their own efforts. The gift of tongues at Pentecost was a sign of the grace of God which brings men together in unity and harmony. There was a bringing together at Pentecost where the believers came together, they knew their mission, they were given this miracle of tongues, and they were sent out. But we always got to look at the flip side of the coin. What happens when life doesn't seem so illuminated? It's probably not easy to think that way with some of the current world events, stuff that's going on, you turn on the news, seems like so many things seem pretty dark, right? Maybe that's not just in the sense of the world, but maybe that's in your personal life. Things aren't going well, relationships might be falling apart, you feel like God just isn't present in a lot of these times. Which I think brings us to the final thing that the Holy Spirit does for us, is the Holy Spirit illuminates Christ. It points all attention towards Christ. And the Holy Spirit's okay with that. Because we remember the words that Christ told us when he says he will be with us until the end of the age. When we're given the Great Commission to go out into all nations and preach the good news, Jesus tells us that he will be with us. We talked about sanctifying grace earlier, this purifying grace. But we also have provenient grace, the grace that goes before us. And this is for people who aren't even aware of God's existence. You know, we have the word provenient, which is Latin. That means to go before. This provenient grace is present with us even when we're not aware of God's existence. So isn't the Spirit with us when we are aware? I think so. And again, I think that's the final thing here, that the Holy Spirit illuminates Christ for us. Again, looking at Jesus' words, this is John again in the 14th chapter. He says this, But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. When we forget, when we're in doubt, when we're lacking in our own understanding, the Holy Spirit is the one who reminds us. There's a story of a man, his name's Jim Davidson. He was a bit of a thrill seeker, and he tells a story about when he was scaling a mountain, Mount Rainier, just outside of Seattle. And he talks about a time when the conditions just got really sour. He was with a buddy of his, and they basically fell through an ice bridge and fell all the way down till he was basically in this crevice, but he said he had about two feet 
and then the cliff just kept going. He could barely make out anything around him. He said it's basically pitch black. That's all he could see, and he could see up above. But what he could also see was that his friend did not make the fall, and he knew he was on his own at this point. He talks back about the times of the confidence that his father instilled in him, where his father would push him, say things like, if you're not first, you're last. Tell him how great he was. Put him in situations and circumstances that probably mom didn't approve of, but this built confidence in him. And he recalls those words of his father, and those were the only things that he recounts that got him out of that. He said it took five hours of climbing up this ice wall, bloodied, bruised, broken, at death's door. But he said whenever he felt like giving up, he remembered his father's words. And they kept him going, pushing him on and on and on. And in the same sense, that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. Where we're in that crack, that crevice, when darkness is all around us, when we want to give up, and it looks like we got a five-hour trek or five-week or five-month or five-year trek ahead of us, the Holy Spirit will remind us of the words and the teachings of Christ. Because, as we mentioned, branding is important, amen? And we have the flame that never goes out, that strengthens, that heats us, that purifies us, but illuminates the darkness around us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the great illuminator, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks that we have the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the helper, the paraclete, the one who is with us in the dark times and dark moments. God, in those times, we know it can be difficult. We can lose our way, lose our footing, whatever it may be, God. We give you thanks that the Spirit is with us to help us, to guide us, to carry us forward. But most importantly, as we mentioned, to illuminate Christ, the one who gave himself for us, so that we may have a relationship with you. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.